Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Today is our third and final part of our three-part series, Two days ago, we went over why the Chicago Bears do in fact still suck. Yesterday, we went over why the Minnesota Vikings have the bleakest future of all the teams in the NFC North. And today, we have our toughest assignment yet, and that's why the Detroit Lions will fail in 2023. This is a tougher one. They're a good football team. They have a lot of positives, a lot of things going in their favor, but there are some things that I think can potentially hold this team back in 2023. In 2022, they were the young, the pesky, the talented, the hungry, the upstart, Detroit Lions, a team that we haven't seen out of Detroit in a very long time. And the ankle-biting Dan Campbells really got that team headed in the right direction and playing a very good brand of football that ultimately ended with them ahead of the Green Bay Packers a season ago in the standings with an actual winning record and with things really headed in the right direction. Now, they they ended with a 9-8 and record. But this was very opposite of the Bears and the Vikings, where the Bears had a few wins early and then reeled off 10 consecutive losses at the end of the year. The Vikings, they started, what, eight and one and then, you know, finished the season, I think five and what, five and four, four and three, whatever it was, um, but basically did not finish the season the same way as they started. It was five and four, by the way. Uh, And then uh, the Detroit Lions are the exact opposite of that. So they started last season one in six in their first seven games. And the fighting Dan Campbells looked anything but. And this looked like it was going to be your same old Detroit Lions that were just bottom-feeding division team and had no chance of really putting things together. And then, in their last 10 games, they were 8-2. and two. Eight wins, two losses, including two wins against your Green Bay Packers, and including an elimination game against the Packers where they eliminated the Packers from the playoffs. I don't need to go over that. Again, you know that very, very well. The only two losses that they had in those 10 games was a loss, a surprising loss to the Carolina Panthers, which ultimately cost them a playoff spot last year. 
and then a loss to the Buffalo Bills, which is nothing you know to, to be ashamed of. They lost 28 to 25 to the Bills. They were very competitive in that game. So eight and two with a near loss to the Bills and then a kind of surprising loss to the Carolina Panthers. That was it in their last 10 games. In addition, in those eight games from a season ago that they did lose, all right, so they're nine and eight on the season. In, in those eight games, five of them were by a combined 17 points. So even in their eight losses, there were three of them that they got beat pretty handily, but the other five were extremely close and they were competitive in those games as well. In a play here or there, and things might look a lot different for your 2022 Detroit Lions. Now this, again, unlike Minnesota, unlike Chicago, really felt in the second half of the season like it was a team on the rise. And the big question coming up is going to be, can they continue that? And can they actually stack success, the old Mike McCarthyism, uh, season to season, which is something that has really avoided the Detroit Lions through, I don't know, the entire history of their career or their, their franchise, excuse me. Uh, their rankings are interesting and not all that different from the Minnesota Vikings, at least on a parallel sort of level. Offensively, extremely good. Fifth in points per game with 26.6 points per game. Fourth in yards per game with 380 yards per game. Fifth in points per play. Fourth in yards per play. Fourth in red zone scoring percentage. Fifth in touchdowns per game. 11th in rushing yards per game. Fifth in passing yards per game. Eight, or excuse me, in uh, fifth in yards per pass, eighth in passing yards per game, first in interception percentage. So Jared Goff did a tremendous job taking care of the football and third in sack percentage. So all the way around rushing offense, passing offense, turnover percentage, sack percentage, third down percentage, whatever metric that you want to look at, red zone percentage, they were really, really good at. That was a fantastic Lions offense in 2022. The defense, the exact opposite. And I never really realized, by the way, that the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings all had bottom four defenses in the NFL a season ago until I started putting this series together. I would not have projected going in that it was actually the Packers who had the, by far and away the best defense in 2022. Go figure. But anyway, I digress. The defense last year for the Lions, 28th in points allowed per game with 25.1 points per game, 32nd in yards per game, the worst defense yardage-wise a season ago, 32nd in yards per play, 30th in third down defense, 26th in red zone defense, 30th in rushing defense, 31st in yards per pass allowed, 18th in interception percentage, 18th in sack percentage. Across the board, awful on defense. Pass defense, run defense, no matter what way you want to look at it, this was a very bad Detroit Lions defense in 2022. They were fifth in turnover margin, including the least amount of giveaways in the entire NFL. That is one reason for potential regression this year. It is very hard to do that over and over and just consistently take great care of the football. Sometimes that's just luck, and sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. We'll see if that can continue for the Lions in 2023. And then they were overall a uh, top five penalty yardage team. So um, yeah, overall a very, very good um, Detroit Lions team. So you know, there's a lot to a lot that you would ultimately like. Turnover percentage, penalty percentage, offensively, it's the defense that ultimately is going to have to get fixed and they have to kind of keep everything else the same if they want to actually take that step in 2023. From a coaching change standpoint, not a ton of changes. John Fox comes in as a defensive assistant. So the longtime NFL head coach will come in to help and try and shore up that defense a little bit. Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator there. So we'll see if that amounts to any changes with how they actually 
actually scheme up their defense, but not a ton of changes overall, which you wouldn't expect. This was a very good season from Detroit last year, and you would have expected them to carry things over. Ben Johnson stays on as offensive coordinator. And uh, yeah, we'll see what ultimately this, you know, if the, the scheme changes on defense a little bit with John Fox there, but overall, not a ton of changes from a coaching standpoint. As far as players added, players lost, etc. They really remade their secondary. They go out and get Cameron Sutton, the corner from Pittsburgh. They get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from the Eagles, which I think is going to be a huge pickup for them. They sign Emmanuel Mosley from the San Francisco 49ers. They pick up David Montgomery, the running back from the Bears, Marvin Jones Jr., Alex Anzalone, the linebacker, Isaiah Bugs, Jermaine Effetti. That's their, you know, the, the players that they added this offseason. The players they lost, they lost DJ Chark, the speedy wide receiver on the outside. They lose Jamal Williams, Deshaun Elliott, the safety, Mike Hughes and Jeff Okuda, the corners, Hughes free agency, Jeff Okuda was traded. So they definitely wanted to make over that secondary. It's interesting that they didn't really do it via the draft. In fact, they didn't draft a single defensive back. They did go out, however, in free agency and spend that money by getting Cameron Sutton, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and Emmanuel Mosley. So just like the Minnesota Vikings completely tore down and reshaped their secondary, the, the at least their cornerback room, the Detroit Lions did basically the exact same thing at their cornerback room, moving on from Hughes and Okuda and bringing in Sutton, Gardner-Johnson, and Mosley. In the draft, they draft Jameer Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama, and he is going to be a dynamic and explosive player for them. We could have the whole conversation as to whether or not drafting a running back at pick 12 is smart in today's modern NFL. That's a good conversation. The other conversation is it's awesome to have really good football players, explosive, dynamic, playmaking football players, and Jameer Gibbs is going to be that, and he is going to be a pain at running back to contain. I expect him to be able to come in and have a massive season from year one, so I think that's going to be a big pickup for the Lions. We can have almost the exact same identical argument about Jack Campbell, their 18th overall pick. I'll start by saying, when I had like watched all the prospects prior to the draft, Two of my favorite players in this draft, bar none, were Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. Loved both of them. And then it's just the philosophical approach of like, all right, I love both of these players. Like, at what point do you start valuing them? Because running back and off-ball linebacker, not your traditionally valued positions in today's modern NFL, the Lions said, screw it. We think they're amazing football players. And they went out and grabbed them. And you can almost make that argument for their first four picks at tight end. You know, same thing, tight end, not a super valued position. At least it hasn't paid off a lot of times early in the draft. We're going to see this is a phenomenal tight end class. And Detroit had a lot of options on the table including Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, who the Packers selected. They go with Sam Laporta at pick 34. And then Brian Branch, another position safety, a little bit undervalued at times. They get arguably the best safety in the draft at pick 45. So they go out, they say, screw positional value. They got four talented football players, four players that I know, uh, well, specifically Brian Branch and Sam Laporta, a lot of Packer fans were hoping for uh, in the second round with you know their two second round picks. Jack Campbell was a player that I think the Packers, uh, a lot of Packer fans had their eye on maybe in round two. The Lions obviously get him in round one. But overall, four players that I really, really liked in Gibbs, Campbell, Laporta, and Branch. It's just, again, the argument about positional value. But there's zero question to me that those four players are going to be able to come in and compete and have a role on this team. And, uh, and to me, play very good football for the Lions almost immediately. 
They then get a potential, uh, you know, down the road quarterback in Hendon Hooker, a little bit overaged, but certainly a super talented quarterback. And if nothing else, should provide valuable depth for Jared Goff. Broderick Martin, the defensive lineman. Um, you get uh, Colby Sorsadal, the tackle, and then wide receiver Antoine Green to round things out. But it was really those first five picks, specifically Gibbs, Campbell, Laporta, Branch, and Hooker, that are ultimately going to make or break that Detroit Lions draft class and like a lot of those picks overall. When we start looking at the depth chart for the Lions, it gets a little bit more interesting. So at quarterback, Jared Goff, and I think the big question here for Jared Goff is going to be, can he repeat what he did a season ago? Jared Goff was really good a season ago, which I think is you know it was surprising to a lot of people. Extremely efficient as a passer. He fit extremely well within Ben Johnson's offense. And now the question is going to be, can he repeat that in 2023? At running back, you jettison Jamal Williams. You bring in David Montgomery from a talent standpoint. That should basically even itself out. You can maybe even make the argument that maybe Montgomery is a little bit more talented. Then you also go out and get Jameer Gibbs. And I think the one-two punch of Montgomery and Gibbs is going to be fantastic. Montgomery is a tackle breaker. He's able to run through people. Jameer Gibbs is a, like, I know he's like a 4-3-40 guy, I think. He looks like a 4-2-40 guy. He is insanely fast and he will make everyone look stupid. It looks like they're taking good angles to the football and then Jameer Gibbs just runs right by them. Um, at wide receiver, I think this is going to be the interesting one. You have Amon Ross St. Brown, one of the most underrated, underappreciated players in the league. And I know he's uh, appreciated very much so. He still doesn't get the credit he deserves. He is maybe the most consistent player in the league. He performs every single Sunday at a very high level. And you can basically chalk him up for seven or eight catches and almost 100 yards, like seemingly every given week. Phenomenal, phenomenal football players. Then it gets a little bit more dicey. Marvin Jones, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, Antoine Green, their seventh round pick, Trinity Benson from Denver. They get like, it's just not a super sexy group of wide receivers after that. We'll talk about the one other one in just a moment. They bring in Sam Laporta at tight end. A little bit interesting that they trade away TJ Hawkinson and then, you know, the tight end out of Iowa. They trade him to Minnesota for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And then they draft Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa in the second round. But he should be a good fit in the offense. And I think he's going to be a very good tight end. Their offensive line, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, Big V and Penny Sewell. Very good offensive line a season ago. Don't expect that to change. Um, they got Graham Glasgow and Logan Stenberg, uh, St uh, excuse me, Sternberg. Um, no, Stenberg, I was right. Uh, those are their two backups. Even Matt Nelson's provided some depth at some time. So they have pretty decent depth along their offensive line. Defensive line, I think, is their big question. John Kaminsky, Isaiah Bugs, Aleem McNeil, Christian Covington, Broderick Martin, they get in the third round. Like it's like they do still have Levi and Wuzurike. Um, we'll see if he can finally take a step. They're 20, uh, 21 second round pick who hasn't done much. They've got some like okay talent there, but it hasn't amounted to much. And I think that's going to be a pretty good question mark. Uh, Josh Pascal, their second round pick from a season ago. We'll see what he can do. But then they've got their edge rushers. You've got Aiden Hutchinson, who I think is going to take another step this year. Um, you know, obviously uh, Pascal is a, a part of that as well. You've got Charles Harris, Romeo Aquora, Julian Aquora, James Houston, who took a pretty um, or had a really nice rookie season uh, last year. So they've got some talent there. And I think obviously Aiden Hutchinson and what he can bring to the table is going to be super important. They have two tackling machines in Jack Campbell and then Mal Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, they bring in Alex Anzalone. They have Derek Barnes as a backup. And then we talked about that remade secondary. Manuel Mosley and Cameron Sutton are going to be your new outside corners. I, I would expect uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson to be their nickel slot guy. 
You've got Kirby Joseph at safety. Kirby Joseph, who uh, almost picked off Aaron Rodgers in that last game three times a season ago, ended up with, what, one or two of them? I forget what it was. They had, I think he had one called back, one dropped maybe, and then one that actually stuck. Either way, and he had a really good game against Green Bay in that final week. And then Tracy Walker, also a huge fan of Afatu Malafanwu. I'm hoping that he can stay healthy this year for Detroit, um, not from a Packers standpoint, but from a NFL standpoint. But overall, this is a pretty deep, talented team. Jack Fox, Riley Patterson, Scott Daly, their specialists. Um, nothing major to write home about there, but overall, a well-rounded Detroit team outside of wide receiver defensive line. I think there's certainly some question marks there, uh, but that is going to be a deep team that should be able to compete at a very high level this upcoming season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. When you look at what opposing teams are afraid of, it starts with Amon Ross St. Brown. And maybe not to the same level when we talked about you know the Minnesota Vikings and Justin Jefferson, but you have to be keenly aware of where Amon Ross St. Brown is at all times. And he just has that you know, way, like an odd way of just sort of sneaking up on you. Like if you're like labeling Amon Ross St. Brown, he's a really good route runner, right? But it's it's not like he's insanely explosive. It's not like he's going to out jump you for a ball. It's not like he's just so freaking good. Like, and he just kind of sneaks up on you. You're not expecting him. Like you, you just kind of 
look at him, you're like, oh, that guy's not going to do much. And then all of a sudden, like I said, he's got like eight catches for 140 yards and two touchdowns. And you're like, all right, well, that ga- you know that guy just ruined uh, the entire game for the opposing team. So he's one A that has to be on your list for players to stop. Aiden Hutchinson, the other one. I do think Jameer Gibbs is going to be a be- very big problem from a running back standpoint with his you know speed and explosiveness. I think they're going to use him a little bit too as sort of a gadget guy. I think you'll see him lined up in the slot a little bit. They're going to use him in some creative ways. And offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, I think, is going to use him uh, very, very wisely and make sure that they're getting the ball in his hands. And then Penny Sewell becoming one of the best offensive tackles as expected when he was a rookie coming out. Uh, he is a phenomenal football player as well. And that offensive line as a whole, very, very sound. So I think that's where it starts. Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sewell, and Aiden Hutchinson are the players that if you're an opposing team, you have to be keenly aware of what they're doing, where they're at, and just figure out a way to stop them. And, and again, with, with Sewell, it's not like so much a, where is he going to line up sort of thing, but just like, how can we beat this guy? How can we make sure that he's not, you know, devastating us from a run blocking standpoint? Um, Aiden Hutchinson, they can move all around and, and that makes things more complicated. And then how they're going to use Amon Ra and Jameer Gibbs, lining them up everywhere, making it challenging to stop. Those are the four that I think you, again, have to be super aware of and find ways to take them out of the game and make other players from the Lions beat you in some capacity. I think the big question here for Detroit is going to ultimately be how much better can they be on defense? I think it starts with Aiden Hutchinson, right? This is a massively talented football player. If he can take a big step, then in like all of a sudden he's just a complete game wrecker. That's going to change this Detroit Lions defense. If he's kind of exactly what he was a season ago, a really good player, but maybe not quite great yet, then I think that defense probably stays kind of the same. And then the next question becomes, how good can that remade secondary be? You didn't draft anyone. You know, your safeties, I think, should be okay carrying over from a season ago. But the corners, I, I think, are the really big questions. I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to help a lot. Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, good corners, maybe not great corners, but they know how to win in this league. And then, you know, I think the question then becomes how how big is that jump? If they are better, like they were 28th, right, in, in defense a season ago from a point production standpoint. If they move to 25th, that's not good enough. They're still going to be kind of the same Detroit Lions. If they move to 20th, if they move to 18th, 15th, like if they're in that range, that's a pretty significant jump for a team that has one of the top offenses and a, a team that, you know, wins the turnover battle, isn't super penalized. Like overall, you feel good about that team if all of a sudden they make that jump into a top 15 defense. But if they're still in the bottom third of the league, then this is probably going to be a, a similar Detroit Lions team to what you saw from a season ago. The reason I think, I guess I offensively that we have to talk about as well, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, and then, you know, from a, a weapon standpoint, how much is Laporta going to give you as a rookie tight end? Marvin Jones, like, you know, Reynolds, like it's it's not super sexy. And that brings in the big question. And I think really the biggest X factor for the Lions, and that's Jamison Williams, who is right now suspended because of the gambling issues. So he's going to miss part of the season and then come back. I think he misses first six, eight games. I didn't look it up beforehand. My apologies, but he doesn't miss the whole season. So he's going to come back at some point. And then what can he bring to the table? This is a massively dynamic player. One of my favorite players coming out of that draft. You know, you saw some flashes from him a season ago once he got healthy, but he's going to be, you know, he's going to be healthy coming into this season. Once he's ready to go coming off his suspension, he's going to be fresh and he is fast as hell. So the question is going to be, if he can be that massive dynamic playmaker opposite Amon Ross St. Brown, that could give the Detroit Lions a massive boost in the second half of the season. If he's not that, if he's not what they expected coming out and he just doesn't hit the, you know, hit the ground running and, you know, run on all cylinders and be that playmaking explosive weapon, 
then that's going to limit what that Detroit Lions offense can ultimately be. And I have a ton of trust in Ben Johnson and what he's going to be able to do regardless. But I think to me, the biggest X factor for them by far and away is going to be Jamison Williams and what he can do once he comes back. The other thing here is they were a team that snuck up on everyone a season ago. And specifically that Ben Johnson offense was new and fresh, but now teams are going to have you know studied that offense a lot through this offseason and what they were able to do to be so effective a season ago. And that's going to set up probably defenses a little bit better to defend them. And it's going to be up to Ben Johnson and that Detroit Lions offense to really make it so that they're creating something new. And it's not just the same thing that they put on paper a season ago. Can Jared Goff be as good as he was a season ago? How much can Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs as rookies add to this offense? I think it's going to be significant, especially with Gibbs, but we know we talk about it with Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft as well. It's really difficult for tight ends to come in and make a big impact, and they need Laporta at that tight end position to be an impact player for them. As mentioned, I don't think this team is sneaking up on anyone anymore. I think last year you looked at it, especially the way they started the season. It was kind of like, all right, same old Detroit Lions. And then all of a sudden they were blowing by people specifically on offense. And I think teams are not going to be caught as off guard by that this upcoming season. So Detroit's going to have to work a little bit harder for that. As mentioned, was Jared Goff fool's gold? Can he continue what he did a season ago? And then I think the other two things here that would maybe give me some cause for concern you had all the gambling issues and they released the majority of the players that had the issues. I think actually the only one left on the team that they that is still there is Jamison Williams. To be clear, I'm not concerned that the Detroit Lions have some big issue, like some big gambling ring they're running in their locker room or that it's going to continue to be a problem. Nothing like that whatsoever. But I am a believer in like, sometimes you start getting hints for how a season is going to trend in some way. And like, you want to be like, everything wants to be positive and good news. And if you start having negative stuff, start leaking out and that starts seeping into a locker room, like it just like, sometimes things just get off on the wrong foot. The last thing that the Detroit Lions wanted this offseason was this sort of gambling issue that's kind of surrounding them and they continue or they've had players suspended. Jameson Williams is going to miss games. So I, I don't like the thing's not super concerning to me, but like just a little bit of that, like bubbling up, like it's not, it's not getting the season off on the right foot, right? And losing Jamison Williams is certainly a huge net negative for the Lions as they kick off this season. And then the other thing I'll say too is I think losing Jamal Williams is semi-significant. Like I think people forget yet yeah, Jamal Williams for David Montgomery from a talent standpoint on the field, especially adding Jameer Gibbs as well, like that, they're going to be better at running back from a talent standpoint than they were a season ago. So losing Jamal Gibbs on paper, or excuse me, losing Jamal Williams on paper, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. No question about it. But Jamal Williams is a heart and soul of a football team. Packer fans can speak to that as well. His energy is infectious. His positivity is infectious. Like there is something about that dude that just brings energy, positivity, and winning to a team. And I think losing him is going to be a little bit more detrimental to the Lions than I think maybe some team will, you know, than maybe that their team ultimately expects and some people ultimately expect. So I think that is going to be a loss for them. Now, like, like I said, talent-wise on the field, Gibbs and Montgomery replacing him, they're going to be just fine. But that presence, like there's just something there that you can't replace. And I think Green Bay has found that as well. Lions can easily win the division. I, the Lions have the highest floor of any of the four teams, in my opinion, and would be the most surprised if they finished last in the division of all the teams. I've said for many episodes now, I think anything can happen in the NFC North this season. Lions, Bears, Vikings, Packers, if any of them won the North, I think it's at least within the realm of possibility. Lions, Bears, Packers, Vikings, could any of them lose the North? 
I think it's within the realm of possibility. But the, of all those things that would surprise me, the most surprising would probably be the Bears winning the North, and the most surprising on the other side would be the Lions losing the North. I think if you said the the Bears were number one in the North and the Lions were fourth in the North, that would be the most shocking thing to me. I think anything else is kind of in the realm of possibility. Those two would probably be the most shocking, just because I think the Lions have a lot of talent on this team. Even if like a Jared Goff would go down, at least you have a Hendon Hooker now who can maybe keep things afloat, and you've got everything else you kind of need on that offense to kind of make things going. So I, they would be a surprise fourth finish. Like I said, I think they have the highest floor of any of the teams in this division. But I am struggling to put an argument together as to why this team can make a significant jump from a season to go. They, Jamison Williams may be coming back and making a much bigger impact. Sure, that could help. Can Laporta and Gibbs be more explosive playmakers on offense? Yes, but this offense was already really good a season ago. I, maybe they get a little bit better, but I think that's going to be a tall task just based on how good they were a season ago. And then defensively, yes, I think Aiden Hutchinson can be better. Maybe the remade secondary will help some things. It certainly is not going to hurt. Adding Jack Campbell on the second level will help. Like there's some things that this team did, but their defensive line, not super great. I still think they're going to have some issues in the secondary. And this was more of like a overarching issue in Detroit. Like their brand of defense was just very bad. So I think all of a sudden becoming a top 15 defense is going to be a little bit out of reach. So maybe their offense is the same and maybe their defense goes from 28th to 20th. And I think that's significant. And I think that potentially puts Detroit maybe in a 10 and you know seven sort of situation. But that big significant jump where all of a sudden they're you know 13 and four and competing in NFC championship games or things like that, that's the argument that I'm really struggling to put together as to why Detroit can make a massive jump in 2023. And if I had to bet as a observer of the Detroit Lions for 38, 39 years of my life, if you ha if I had to bet either the Lions take a huge surge in a positive direction or a franchise that usually takes one step forward and two steps back, if they repeat that process like they have through the course of their franchise history, I'd probably come a little bit closer to saying they probably take a little bit of a step back. Now, like I said, I, Detroit Lions fans, if you're listening to this, I like your team. I really, really do. You are by far and away the most likable team in the division, not named the Green Bay Packers. If it can't be the Packers winning the division, all Packer fans would hope that it is you winning the division. And yeah, like so there's a lot to like about your team. There's no question about it. This is the hardest episode to put together. There's not much to drag about where your franchise is at right now. I do think, though, that this season is going to be more challenging than Lions fans expect it to be. And maybe Lions fans expect it just because they always expect bad things out of the Detroit Lions. But I think just having to repeat what they did a season ago, um, you know, stacking that success, can they do the same thing on offense? Defenses are going to have studied Ben Johnson and what he did on offense this past season. Can Jared Goff put it all back together? Can their defense actually take a legitimate step? I think there's going to be some challenges for the Lions. They're going to have a tougher schedule than they did a season ago. So all those things will come into play. I like the Lions. I think they're probably the favorites to finish first in the NFC North. I think they're probably favorites, uh, you know, the least likely team to finish last in the NFC North. And uh, I just think things are going to be a little bit harder. So tough, tough, tough to put this one together and drag them entirely. But uh, I, I don't think if you're looking for a high end play for the Detroit Lions and saying like, hey, they're going to be easy, you know, top end division winners and they're like just going to run away with this thing. I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think this team is going to face a few more challenges than that in 2023. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.